Hello and welcome to Quilt Achieviot's Markets Uncut podcast, your weekly insights into the topics and trends that we have been exploring for you here at Quilt Achieviot. Remember, so you don't miss future episodes, be sure to hit the follow button on whichever streaming platform you are listening to or by following hashtag QC Weekly Comment on LinkedIn. I'm your host, Vanessa Eve, investment manager based in our Leeds office. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by regular podcast guest, Richard Carter, our head of fixed interest research and equity analyst, Will Howlett. Good morning to you both. Now, I think it goes without saying that last week's news was dominated by the shock UK inflation figures, which held firm at 8.7% coupled with the Bank of England's higher than expected 0.5% interest rate hike. Perhaps the biggest surprise was the fact that the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee voted 7 to 2 in favour of the rate rise, underscoring their determination to tackle inflation. So it's on those cheery notes I'd like to turn to Richard because we know that the Bank of England is behind the Federal Reserve in terms of tackling inflation decisively and early on. How do you think these rate rises usually take to filter through into the real economy? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you're absolutely right. It was a bit of a shocker that the Bank of England um, pushed rates up by 50 basis points last week. But um, given the uh, latest inflation data, it's probably the right thing because it's very important that um, they try and retain some sort of infl- inflation fighting credibility, which you know they were in danger of losing. Um, I mean, how long does it take? I mean, you'll see various estimates for this, uh, and it sort of depends. But I think the, the sort of Bank of England would say around one to two years for the full effect. Um, to be felt. And that means actually, when you think about it, um, we're still at the sort of early stages of of really feeling the impact of the rate rises, which is a bit is a bit concerning, because uh, that means there's a lot kind of potentially more pain to come. I mean, you've got to think, uh, how does it affect people in reality? If you've got a, a tracker mortgage, a tracker mortgage, then that's sort of linked to the base rate, and that's going to impact you straight away, pretty much. Um, but if you're on a fixed rate mortgage, then that takes some time to come through. And I think at the moment, um, there's around one and a half million people um, each year who sort of fixed rate deal expires. So these things don't, as I say, these things don't impact the economy overnight. But certainly, um, certainly they are starting to be felt, I think, in the, in the mortgage market. So, so things to be mindful of in the future. And so, Richard, yes. Picking up on your point uh, around inflation, um, it it was also evident that core inflation, which excludes volatile food and energy, actually accelerated to 7.1% from 6.8% with used car prices, along with things like airline tickets and the cost of recreation and culture, driving much of the increase. Um, How much of these increases is a a sort of COVID overhang with people basically just wanting to enjoy their lifestyles for a change and how that might be therefore skewing the inflation figures temporarily? Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think that's uh, a big factor. I mean, if you remember back to COVID, uh, everyone was sat at home ordering things from Amazon and uh, that pushed good prices up. And then we had... uh, uh, you know, Ukraine, the war in Ukraine and sort of energy costs going up and food costs going up. Uh, and now it's sort of moved on to, uh, as you say, people going out and, and sort of saying, well, you know, I was my life was put on hold during COVID. I'm going to go and go on holiday or go to a concert or go out for dinner. 
Um, so that is a is a quite a big factor, and, and you would expect that to kind of wash through the numbers as people's. I mean, people say, you know sort of saved up quite a lot of money actually during um, COVID on a sort of overall basis of the economy, and that's starting to be uh, spent and sort of worn down. So in time, I think those numbers will come down. The, the, the concern for the Bank of England, also the Fed, to be honest. Um, is the tightness of labour markets, and if you, you know, if you think everyone's going out there and enjoying themselves, um, there really isn't enough kind of workers to cope with that, and that's pushing up wages and pushing up costs overall. And um, you know, it's it's a pretty blunt instrument, um, just pushing up interest rates because it affects people uh, with a mortgage much more so than others. But um, I'm afraid, really, it's the it's the big tool that the central banks have got to try and influence things. So. Um, yeah, as I say, it's uh, those inflation numbers should improve, but it's it's a pretty slow process at the moment. And that blunt instrument is effectively one of the biggest concerns that's being talked about of late, because um, the the interest rate rises we're seeing around the globe is happening across all different sorts of central banks. Um, and I, I suppose the the next question is very much: um, Are some of these central banks going to go too far in terms of raising interest rates? And how big a concern is this for the UK in particular? Uh, absolutely it is and, and, and it's you know it's really kind of front and center of what's been going on because um, you know the Fed has, has, has raised rates quite aggressively uh, inflation at least headline inflation has, has started to come down quite quite nicely um, and they felt that we can you know they can take a bit of a pause and just assess the situation in another month's time and, and that's got people's hopes up that the US will achieve some sort of soft landing uh, which would be a pretty remarkable um, achievement, but it's not like that in the UK. The, you know, the, the more inflation stays sticky, um, the longer um, Bank of England will have to sort of keep raising interest rates, and, and potentially, as I've you know, talked about, the lagged effect um, of all these rate rises, the, the worse potentially that could be. So, um, yeah, the worry is that uh, in the UK we could be potentially heading for a, a bit of a hard landing. Uh, perhaps later later this year or next year. And um, yeah, so we've just got to hope that inflation does come down over the next few months and the Bank of England can therefore do what the Fed's done and just sort of start to ease off the brake a little bit. So a lot of moving parts in this equation. And I suppose it, it's on that point that I'd like to turn to, to Will now. And Will, much has been made about how quickly banks are effectively pulling mortgage deals in response to the Bank of England raising interest rates. But on the other side of this, there are actually benefits to savers in terms of the interest that they receive on bank deposits. Um, How quickly are these higher rates being passed on to deposit holders? Yeah, morning. Just as a reminder, yeah, banks do certainly benefit from higher interest rates. So they're typically much quicker to put through rate hikes on their loan books compared to their deposits. And remember, they also have non-interest bearing funding as well through the likes of current accounts. And so their net interest margin, so that's the difference between the interest rates they earn on loans versus what they pay on deposits and other funding, those net interest margins will expand. And that's something we have definitely been seeing. And that feeds through to better profitability for banks. I think what's different with this cycle is just the pace with which we've seen those rates increase. And so, you know, you've got UK policy rate at 5% now. There's some pretty attractive rates available for savers. 
And that opportunity cost versus, say, just leaving your money in a current account, which might have made sense when interest rates were much lower, um, you know, it, that opportunity cost does increase. And, and clearly, it's it's very easy to move money around now with inter internet banking too. Um, what analysts track is something called deposit beaters. So that's really a function of how much of the interest rate right, uh, interest rate hikes have been passed on to the customers. And so for bank management, the lower the number, the better. Uh, so if you look at someone like NatWest, this was running at about 35% at their full year results. Um, but more recently at a conference, they talked about passing on pretty much all of the recent rate hikes. Um, and this was actually prior to the 50 basis point move last week. Um, but anyway, the, the cumulative pass through has now moved to 45%. And what you have been seeing is, is banks have been talking about net interest margins maybe peaking this year or even coming down from the Q1 level. So certainly they are under some pressure to pass on those higher rates to depositors. And what sort of political pressure do you see on banks within the UK, particularly in light of the news that Jeremy Hunt actually called in the banks for talks over things like mortgage costs? Yeah, I think it's another reminder of the range of stakeholders that bank managements have to keep happy as they're so important to the outlook for the economy. So I think photos of bank CEOs leaving Downing Street do highlight that political pressure. And of course, we had another example a few years ago when banks were forced to suspend their dividend payments and, and buybacks to preserve capital in response to COVID. I think this time round, banks have agreed to allow borrowers to extend their mortgage terms temporarily and also move to interest only deals. They've also agreed that there'll be no repossessions for any borrowers within 12 months of their first missed payment. So, you know, a few, few steps to help um, mortgage borrowers there. So with all of these moving parts in the mix, what might this mean in terms of banks' future earnings? I doubt these measures in themselves will impact banks' earnings materially. I think it's a reminder of the political pressure and one of the reasons that banks trade on very low valuation multiples. And that's on top of the leverage, which is inherent to their business model and the sensitivity to the, to the economic environment. Remember, this is all happening ahead of a likely general election at the end of next year. So borrowers are going to be res resetting onto some of those higher rate mortgages we might see more calls for something more radical, which would have an impact on earnings. So there has been talk, for example, about a tax on bank profits. So remember, these are a lot higher in, a, in an environment of higher interest rates. And I think what Richard was talking about as well, the risks that there would be a hard landing for the UK economy. Um, so then you would start to see increased loan losses. You would start to see loan growth become much slower as well. And I think banks would be under pressure as well to uh, build capital. So they might be under pressure to, to stop any um, buybacks uh, as well temporarily. So I suppose on, on those final points, um, do you see risks to the banking sector in terms of things like potential falls in house prices, but also mitigation of, of loans in the future? Or actually, because of their low multiples, is this a potential investment opportunity for the sector? Yeah, I remain selectively positive on banks. I mean, valuations are very low. Uh, they're near COVID crisis lows now for the UK domestic banks, for example, and they do have a better outlook for earnings as interest rates have moved away from the zero bound. 
I don't think anyone is really talking about rates going back to those very low levels, which were a drag on profitability for banks uh, in that uh, sort of zero rate environment post the financial crisis. The profitability is also a lot cleaner now post the crisis. Um, so you don't see the headwinds from the likes of PPI or litigation, for example. So they have much better profitability, cleaner profitability, and that is feeding through to better dividends and buybacks. I think the one thing we have to keep an eye on is unemployment. So unemployment is remaining very low, and that's helping to keep um, loan losses very low as well. I think overall, my preference is still for areas and financials outside of the banks where we don't have this level of outside interference. So it's a good reminder of the events last week um, that uh, banks, um, you know, do have political pressures that they have to to keep happy. Uh, I'll just remind people as well that we we also look at some of the banks outside of the UK. Clearly, there's a lot of concern about the UK economy at the moment and banks seen as leverage plays on their economies. But, you know, banks outside of the UK certainly enjoying some of these higher rates without some of the issues, the, the stickiness of inflation that we're seeing within the, the UK economy, for example. Um, so, yeah, a lot going on with banks at the, at the moment, uh, but selectively positive. So a, a lot to consider, but at least uh, ending on a slightly more positive note. So thank you very much to both Richard and Will for those great insights and to all of you at home for listening. Now, did you enjoy our discussion on the podcast today? Um, we'd absolutely love to hear from our listeners. So please review the show now, wherever you're listening, and share it on your socials and tag us at Quilt Achieviet. Now, I'm delighted to confirm this podcast and our sister one, the Fund Buyer, have both been shortlisted for Bed best podcast for the Investment Marketing and Innovation Awards 2023. Now, the winners will be announced at a special ceremony on Friday, the 7th of July. So fingers crossed for Richard, Nick and the wider team. Now, to make sure you don't miss a future episode, please do tap on the subscribe button. We will be back next week. And in the meantime, please feel free to head over to our website, www.quiltachieviot.com, where you can read the accompanying market overview as well as subscribe to our weekly comment newsletter. You can also stay up to date with our thoughts on market news, industry insights and our upcoming events and webinars on our website or our social media pages. Finally, do you have any questions you'd like to ask one of our experts on our next podcast? If you do, simply ask them via the weekly comments page on our website, as we would love to hear your questions. Now, that's it for today. So thank you to Richard and Will and all of you for listening. See you next time.